Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. And welcome to Bink at Night, Jay Binkley. Chris Unocero with you. I will say this, Chris. There's one guy that I would not let sing take me out to the ball game. And that is the guy you're looking at. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a good idea for you to sing. I don't think so. Well. I don't think it's a good idea for you either. No, I, it's not for me. I'm, I, it's not my kind of thing. I don't. Is there a good singer at 610? Cody. No, I mean, no, no, he's not. He, he's not. He's a he singer. Nice he's not job, a good He did singer. a nice job on that, that Pascatino song. Like, I gave it up to him. I thought it was pretty good. I thought he did as good of a job as he was going to do on it. I'm just saying, out of, he, out of all the guys here, he would be the best at it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He had the confidence for it, but like he's the best cook here, the best singer. I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. him. Yeah, that's him. I just don't think that's a great accomplishment to be the best singer at six ten. No, it's like being the best math best uh, mathematician here. Yeah, <laughs> or the best dressed here. <laughs> <laughs> we all come in here in shorts or sweatpants. <laughs> you know, nobody really dresses up to come in here. There's not going to be a men of six ten uh, calendar. We should do that. Like we July, should, we should August. pitch that. We sh- it, it won't sell anything. It might be like like five people that actually buy that, but we should totally do that as a joke. Imagine like Fesco. I'll pitch it to Speck in an email. We'll see if he does it. We'll see if he goes for it. He probably won't, but we'll see if he does. Good stuff. The Royals in L.A. tonight. Anaheim, Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim. They've actually been pitching the ball well, Chris. Royals pitching has posted 2.70 ERA on this road trip, fourth best ERA in baseball since June 13th. In addition, teams are just hitting 190 against the Royals, fourth. Um, only four home runs in the last seven games on this trip. But I will say this: I mean, yeah, they did play the Giants. Giants are a good team. The A's completely suck, and that team is an embarrassment to baseball. And when you want to talk about like teams that should be relegated. If they ever did the EPL style, it's the A's. Just go ahead and move them to Vegas. Like, move them to Vegas now, because that is not a baseball team, Chris. And I know nobody shows up to those games. They only had 9,800 fans at the game, like, the first two days. They had 26,000 in the game last year. I mean, they have have given up. They've thrown in the towel. They're saying no mercy. They're waving the white flag. So, yes, the Royals did get a chance to beat that team. And the Angels... Chris, are probably the most disappointing team in all of professional sports, wouldn't you say? The money that they spend, the fact they have guys that have won four MVPs on their team in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I mean, what do they have to show for it? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> what do they have to show Trout's for it? One, Trout's one of the best players of our generation. Probably the best player of this generation. Yeah, you could say that because he's your first or second MVP. Yeah, not How many a, great postseason moments do you have with Mike Trout? None. Getting swept by the Royals. That's it. He has zero wins in the playoffs his entire career. That's it. That that show, And that shows you why in baseball, 
having the best player, like like the most valuable player in baseball, isn't as valuable as the most valuable player in football. No, not at all. Or in soccer or in basketball or in all these other sports. Like all these other sports, if you have a great player on your team, it almost assuredly puts you in competition for a championship. But baseball is one of those sports where if you have a great player on your team, you're not guaranteed competition for a championship because it takes much more than just one great player. No, it does. I mean, baseball is the pure example of it doesn't take a great player to win. Look at the 2015 Royals, Chris. You know what led the number led the Royals in home runs? Do you know what the number was? If I said plus or minus 25 home runs led the Royals in a year that they won the World Series. Wasn't it wasn't it right on 25? No. Or was it 26? Oh, was it, it was less? Was cold, it, cold, cold. Sal- Salvi led the team in home runs that year, right? Nope. Or was it Haas? Kendrys Morales, yeah, 22. Kendrys Morales. Oh, man. No, Kendrys was a good player. <laughs> Kendrys was a good player. Lorenzo Cain like, had a great year that year, by the way. He's the he, one that finished third. Yeah, he in was the third MVP. in the MVP voting. Yeah. Wow. But the bottom line is, Kendrys I mean, that, Morales. That was the definition of a team. Yes. Like, that was the definition of a team. That's what you need to win in Major League Baseball. Yeah, they were kind of like they were kind of like the Spurs when they were really good. Like they didn't have like a superstar player on the team, but they had a lot of really good players that did their part better than most players in their roles would do. That's the reason why they worked out. And it made it easier for Ned to be the manager of the team cuz he didn't really have to do a whole lot of strategizing because everyone did their part. And when you've got everyone doing your part the way that they're supposed to, it makes everyone else's lives easier. And that's the reason why that team won the World Series. Like, you're not going to win an NBA crown unless you get a star. No, not at all. Like Steph Curry. That's, you yeah. know, I know Wiggins you need had a, a nice you need a superstar like player. You need a but superstar player. But you need that player. guy to carry you through the year, like Trey does. But just the difference between baseball and other sports is, like you said, that magical player. By the way, Mike Moustakis had 22 that year as well. So Kendrick Perez actually had 21 that year. Oh yeah, no. He when did he? But hit? he was the World Series MVP. Yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah, he he earned that. He yeah. They yeah. I forgot. I thought they had. I thought twenty six was the was the top number that year. Maybe Salvi at twenty six like a year or two after. But yeah, they they uh, did not have a lot of power during those World Series years. I I mean, who led them? Do you know who led them in twenty fourteen? You know, runs in fourteen. Yeah. I remember Perez was on a trajectory that no one had ever done where he was increasing his home run total every year to yeah. like seven straight years. That The year before, the home run leader was 2014 regular season Royals was Alex Gordon at 19, <laughs> Perez at 17. They were like, didn't they finish like towards the bottom or at the bottom in so home So they go to game year? seven of the World Series. The leading RBI guy was Alex Gordon with 74 in 2014. Yeah, that's not So good. 74 ribs, 19 home runs, and the team went to game seven of the World Series and would have been champions had it not been for a guy named Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. Man, that that uh, opens up old wounds there for us as Royals fans, knowing yeah. that we could have had two world championships back to back. In the football, I mean, you have to have the quarterback. We know that. But there, there are the exceptions. Like the Trent Dilfer, they, remember the the year that he and Tony Banks, yeah, were he, going they, back and they forth. dragged his corpse to a championship. But that was an elite Baltimore. defense. Yes. That was an elite defense with Hall of Famers on that defense. 
and especially Ray Lewis. Like, Ray Lewis was the man on that team. But you still need superstars in that game. Baseball is the game you can have. Like, Shoei Otani last year was the best player in Major League Baseball. Again, yeah. we're not seeing fun moments of Otani. I mean, they, they, dude, they had pool holes on the team, Otani, Trout. That, that was a team, man. Well, they kind of had the corpse of Pujols. Pujols wasn't quite great by when the time Otani. When he first got there, he was good, though. Yeah, Him and but Trout like, were a nice little combo there for a while. Yeah, when Otani got there, yeah, a little bit different to Golden. Yeah. But it was Trout and Pujols. And yeah, Pujols they were the still, team. They were like the the combined like $500 million men, and they couldn't win games when it mattered. They got I think they only got to the playoffs in 2014 with that combo. And they didn't win in the playoffs. Like, and and I, I I said this, I've said this many times before about like why baseball struggles as far as like popularity on the mainstream goes now, where it's like we don't know as many of the star players on other teams like we used to. And it's because if I tune in to Sunday night baseball, they may have a team with like a great player or two on it. Like you might have the Yankees on television with Aaron judge and Aaron judge, obviously one of the best players in the game, but he might have a terrible game that night. And if I watch the NFL or I watch the NBA, almost every time that you watch a star player, they're probably going to have a pretty good, if not great game, star quarterback, probably going to play great star player on a basketball team, probably going to play great. That's not the case in baseball. And even if that player does play great, it doesn't mean that it's going to have much of an impact on them winning. And that's what hurts baseball. It just shows how much you have to put a full team together. And even I mean, Joe Madden, until he got canned, if, when, he, when he got his mojo about that, he went and got a mohawk. Yeah. The same day he was canned. <laughs> same day. He never got to like show his team, right? He never got the coach with the mohawk. Do you think he was sad about that? Yeah. Can you imagine him <laughs> sitting in there getting fired? <laughs> And then looking at him going, what are, you, what are you doing, Joe? And Joe's sitting there with the Mohawk, firing up the team. By the way, speaking of fired. Did he? Did did they fire him? He was like, fired that day did, that he got yeah, the Mohawk. Yeah, but did they fire him while he, like, at, right after he got the Mohawk cut and he's sitting in the office with the Mohawk? They should have texted him during <laughs> the haircut. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, hey, don't do it. Don't do it. And he's like, just cut it all off. But, like, I imagine him sitting there with this stupid-ass Mohawk. In the office, and then they're like, Joe, Joe, we got to make a change here. Like, this ain't working. I mean, you're talking about a manager that's that took the Rays to the World Series. You're talking about a manager that's won. Yeah, he won one with the Cubs. And you're talking all those superstars, like Mike Trout, the best player in the game, and Shohei Otani, last year's player of the game, and they can't win. Remember they went on a 12-game losing streak, the Angels? Yeah. They went on a 12-game losing streak. Yeah. They were at number six, right? This, this was a team that was 10 games over 500. They were 27-17, and 17, the Angels, the team that the Royals beaten up on. And I do believe the Royals will win two out of three against the Angels. Now, I guarantee the sweep over the A's because they're that bad of a baseball team. But I'll go two of three against the Angels and keep this West Coast road trip against nobody. They're not playing anybody. Let's give them that. These are feel-good teams. I call Oakland the booty call of Major League Baseball. <laughs> the Angels aren't far behind. <laughs> the booty call. But they were they were on a six-game losing streak, <laughs> and they had Mike Trout like trying to explain things like as the team captain, you know, the team spokesman yeah. about what's going on. That was when everybody wanted to talk about fantasy football because of the whole Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham deal, yeah. and he was the commissioner. Like all the questions to him, well, they I mean, they had a few other here. Baseball, but nobody won those questions. They won the commissioner talk. And I asked Whit Merrifield – at one time that I was with with, with uh, Cody and we had Wit on, 
said, if you were in the middle of a six-game losing streak, would you either talk about the team or would you talk fantasy football? He said fantasy football. Trout looked like he was perturbed by it. You should be happy that people are asking you questions about fantasy football when your team sucks as they bad as you guys They should do. have asked him, game, asked him questions about the weather because we know he's receptive to talking about the weather. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's embarrassed by the situation with fantasy football because he was accused of being a bad commissioner. And you don't like, obviously you'd never want to be accused of being a bad commissioner, especially in a league with like a $10,000 buy-in. So I could understand why he wouldn't want to be asked questions about this fantasy football league. He's like, Hey, let's, let's talk about us losing six straight games. I can understand that. I think I'd be on that on that too. It's one of the top stories in baseball this year is fantasy football. That's actually really sad too. That's really sad that the, I mean, besides the lockout, I mean, that's like the biggest story of the year, right? And juice balls or not juice balls or not, but like, we're still like having that discussion, but I mean, as far as like what we know, fantasy football is number two, right behind the lockout. If you ask me top stories so far in major league baseball, that would be in the top three. Yeah, definitely. If not one. I would put it two. I mean, sports radio had so much fun with the Tommy Pham. Yeah, Peterson but like I, I, I would say the lockouts won. It also makes this the year of the slap. Yeah, this is the year of the slap. I mean, at this point now, we're kind of due for another one here within Chris the next Rock, couple Will months. Smith. Somebody's going to punch somebody back, though. Like, yeah. Jack Peterson didn't do anything but take the slap. Right, but it's like, like Chris Rock didn't do anything either. But like that's, we got to have the, yeah, we got to have the punch back because that's going to be more entertaining. We got to have the punch back. I mean, yeah. you're getting slapped, man. Yeah, you can't let another dude just slap. No. You, you got you to gotta punch him back. You can't just take a slap and just like, oh, whatever. Like, if if I were Chris Rock and someone were to go on stage and slap me in front of millions of people. Why are people punching him instead of slapping Yeah, like, well, slap is like, that's like a, if you slap somebody, you're confident they're not going to do anything back to you. So it's like a sign oh, of that's pretty, That's a lot of confidence because I guarantee you this. But they didn't do anything, right? So their if confidence I was slapped, is warranted. walking in the Walmart, you think I just... <laughs> oh, you definitely... Yeah, you definitely would throw some hands. But, like, that's what it I'm saying. It wouldn't be a slap either. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's the reason why if you slap someone, you're confident that they're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Because if you weren't, you would throw a punch because you're like, okay, I got to get the jump on this person. So that's why they did it that way. Text line 785 says, is Trout in the Hall of Fame if he retires today? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, and yes. Yeah. You know, he's three-time MVP winner. He's a second uh, a handful of times as well. Top three all the time. Yeah, Mike Trout. I mean, his numbers, I mean, he's got a ways to go to get the 3,000 hits. And all. I mean, he's got a ways to go number-wise. But yeah, I'd put him in the Hall of Fame because... You look at this last decade, that's the best player. I mean, that's the best player. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't don't... talk about baseball in the 2010s without bringing up Mike Trout. Right, right. Yeah, you. I mean, at this point now, if he retired, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, again. He's Dan Marino, though. Yeah. But at least Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, you know, I don't. I just don't think, like, this is an era where you judge people by championships as much. I just don't think you do. Because, like, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the hall that didn't win the World Series. So. I know. It's all about the rings, buddy. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it is in baseball. I think it is in basketball. I don't think it is in baseball. Did you see uh, Pro Football Focus? They put something out yesterday. They said, would you rather, rather win a ring like Blaine Gabbard did as a backup quarterback, or would you rather be a league MVP like Lamar Jackson? So would you rather be known as an MVP or have the bullying? I would do the MVP. 
That is, I mean, because yeah. that, that is a rare thing. That is saying you're the best player. Yeah, I would do the in MVP. Football. Not only that, because there's more money in it. Now, if I was a starting quarterback, I'd rather win the ring. Because then you want yeah. a ring instead of MVP. Yeah, but like I would much rather win the MVP if I was like I, if I were some like if I had a choice between being Blaine Gabbert or Lamar Jackson or you know of those types of their their career trajectories, I would much rather have Lamar Jackson's trajectory because there's not there's a ton of earning potential. Like Blaine Gabbert, the best he ever did in his career was what he did when he was drafted by the Jaguars and he was a bust there. Like, Lamar has a lot more money in his future than Blaine Gabbert does. Like, his next contract, of course he whoever pays that out, he's going Gabbert's to make lucky way to be playing, more money. Man. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it, that's he's one of those that Chase Daniel route, man. Exactly. Like, he's one of those guys that he, you're just happy to be there. But, like, for Lamar, there's so much generational wealth that is at stake for him. I would much rather take that future. I mean, Chase is still rocking the ring from being behind Drew Brees. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of that course. Is Super Bowl champion Chase Daniel. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think I think if you had a choice of just being like a regular everyday starter that has like a high potential to bust, or being a Chase Daniel Blaine Gabbard type who just sticks around a long time, makes tens of millions of dollars, and has good career stability. If we're talking about that versus like. You know, you might be at the league after your first contract, or you just be a backup and just stick around. I think I'd probably take the backup and stick around. Right Speaking off. of bust, RG3 talks about the Chiefs receivers <laughs> and one of the toughest Royals of all time. Got swole, Chris. Scott, talk about that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back, Jay Binkley, Chris and Ocero. Chris, you seen the pictures of Kyle Farnsworth yet? I've I saw pictures of him years ago. And <laughs> yeah, he No yeah, look now, he, look he now. Crazy. Go to his Twitter, could even Kramer, I think, retweeted it. Uh, Kramer Sandstone. This picture of Kyle Farnsworth. If you're on Twitter, head to Twitter and look at Kyle Farnsworth Twitter account, but he took a gym selfie and he said he didn't normally do that which I don't think he does, but he took a gym selfie. And, well, today is National Selfie Day, so why not? I guess uh, do you, you do a selfie today, Chris? No. A national I don't selfie. do selfies. I, I oh, oh, he is. What? <laughs> I'm saying. He looks Kyle like a Farnsworth professional wrestler. What is he like doing? like the Hulk. He played for 11 teams. Guy's 46 years old at this yeah, point. Yeah, okay, so he's doing bodybuilding. That makes sense. I he's just worried. This is fun, just having fun. But Kyle Farnsworth played for 11 different teams in Major League Baseball, played with the Royals, 09 in 2010, and dude looks like the Hulk. I mean, he does. Now, keep this in mind. He was always kind of a bigger guy in the jiu-jitsu and everything else. and kind of, He was a badass. And not only that, but if you wanted to plunk somebody, you called him Farnsworth. Like, if, you, if you're tired of your players getting dotted, you call him Farnsworth. And it's like hockey. He'd come in and destroy somebody. That was Farnsworth. Not only that, Major League Baseball used to do, I wish they still did this, they did like an anonymous clubhouse survey, Chris, and they'd put down players you would least like to charge the mound against. <laughs> Farnsworth was always winning. Because he's tall and muscular. Like, yeah. Well, nowadays he would just destroy it because I don't God. think there's a player that would charge the mound. No, not, 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 not when you've got, you know, a 
professional wrestler. Do you think Manny Machado's running after Farnsworth like no, he did Ventura? No, Manny Machado's just going to walk to his base. Like, that's what he's going to do. you think do. Nolan Arenado, who loves Charge the Mound, no. would charge the no, Mound no, against Farnsworth? The, what, the worst you're going to see happen is they're going to, like, stare him down and then if the bench is clear, they're going to, like, get behind someone, and they're going to, like, you lucky holding me back. Like, that's the most they're going to do with someone that looks like that. I mean, Farnsworth would destroy you. And here's the thing. Here's kind of the legend of Farnsworth. Josh Vernier and I were in the Royals clubhouse back in uh, the heyday of Wade Davis. And we were just bored. I mean, the Royals were kicking everybody's ass at that point in 2015, something like that. So we went over there because before the game, you can ask silly questions afterwards, a lot more serious. But... It was who's the toughest guy you ever played with, Wade? Who's the one guy that you wouldn't that, that nobody would charge the mound against? One of your former teammates, who would it be? Who do you think he said? Well, we know. We said Kyle know. Farnsworth. Said Kyle Farnsworth. That's from Wade Davis. That's the ultimate, you know, complimenter from Wader because nobody ever charged Wade either. Yeah, and, Wade's a big dude too. Yeah, Wade would Wade, Wade would have just looked at you and you'd have melted on your way to the mound. Yeah, yeah. like he what would have you, stared at you with those robot eyes and you would have fallen before you got there. But Farnsworth, again, eleven teams were. You know his his ERA career wise is four two six. Like that's a much better ERA than a guy that played for eleven teams. Maybe he just scared everybody. Maybe that's why he kept getting released because he scared everybody. <laughs> I don't know about that. But he got fired I mean, a lot, had, so he had he had some he had some pretty rocky seasons. Like when he was with the Royals, he was, was pretty rocky time. Nine hundred and sixty three strikeouts in his career, ninety nine to two thousand fourteen. Cal Farnsworth played, but he's been lifting some weights since he's played. Yeah, he's trying to get he's he's doing bodybuilding. Like so that's a blast. And then he played some semi pro football when he stopped playing baseball. Yeah, he was like playing defensive end, something like that. Like Cal Farnsworth is somebody I'd like to add to the show sometime at some point. <laughs> you're gonna get him on just we'll just talk about his fights <laughs> on the mound <laughs> and the art of charging like wouldn't he stare people down i mean <laughs> i think farns would be great that's one of the hidden things in baseball that i just enjoy i, I love a good mound charge i don't like the little slap fest they have yeah and, i don't like that i don't like that like a few years ago the wall street journal looked at like 30 the last 30 previous baseball brawls and there's only like three punches thrown yeah, because usually it's a big position. Yeah, they thing. just like let's run just, out of you the, lucky hold me back. But my, my like, favorite thing is. is the bullpen pitchers running out as fast. <laughs> yeah, like what the hell are you gonna do, bro? You are way too what late. What are you bro? gonna do getting out there? Unless this is a real brawl, like there's no point in you coming out the pen, bro. Like, my favorite thing is far away. my favorite thing is jersey out the hold me back guy like you're talking yeah, about. There's always one guy. Yeah, and that's when they run their mouth once they're being yes. held back. Yeah, once, once they're being held back, once they're they're, they're on the other side of the melee and they get they got their jersey out and it's and it's unbuttoned for some reason. And so, like, they're they're clearly not in any danger of getting knocked out. There's no fighting there, and that's why I respect about that 2015 team. That 2015 Royals team was ready to throw hands. Oh, in Chicago, remember they Lo threw King? hands. Remember I was producing Cornholio, that night. Cornholio, he had yes. the Speaking of Lorenzo Cain, yes. and then Gerard Dice came out there, but Court. Kane was ready for that. He Kane threw it. hands. Kane was about it. Kane threw hands. I was shocked because Kane is like the he was like the nicest dude in that clubhouse in 2015. And Kane threw hands. Him and Volquez and Ventura too. But well, we, knew, Sale, we knew Ventura was. Chris about Sale that. went to the Royals clubhouse yeah, at, looking at, for a piece. Yeah, in the yeah because he knew. Yeah, because he was he was about that life too. But yeah, Ventura obviously was was ready to roll because he started the whole melee with the uh, with 
the uh, with the Angels, and he he was the one that beamed uh, Brett Lowry the game after he sl- he yeah, intentionally he, slid into Alcides' knee. Was Ventura, but he, he it's the only guy I've seen stare down Mike Trout. Was Ventura? <laughs> I know, right? That's why I, I love. That's, that's why I was like, yeah, Ventura, this is the man. kid, man. And when he threw a Machado, he knew Machado was going to fight. Of course, like he, did. he he knew it deep down, but he didn't care. He didn't care. Like he was protecting he his was teammates. Ready to go. But he stared down Mike Trout. It's like I don't care who you are, man. I don't care that was a respect are. move right there. That was respect right there. And then when Volquez, again, another guy, Volquez and Kane were the two guys I did not expect to throw hands up in Chicago. And so when they were throwing hands out there, especially Kane, because Kane, again, was the nicest dude on that team, and he was out there throwing them, I was like, yeah, like, this team's ready to win. Didn't you throw hands with the Angels tonight just for fun? Yeah, I'd like just to see that. It up a little I'd bit. like to see that. Yeah. Have like, you have you cutting some fight audio tonight? For oh, Vern? yeah, you already know. I'm ready to cut some fight audio. You already know. And I know the text line, half the text line is like, oh, I can't believe you're advocating violence and all this. Who it's cares, like, man? Just relax. Who it's cares? a game. It's we watch MMA, don't we? Yeah, we, we watch, watch MMA. Boxing. I watch professional wrestling. I watch all kinds of combat sports. How about this? There is more action in the Oscars than what we've seen a lot of times in baseball. I know, right? The Chris Rock I know, fight. right? Will Smith is more ready yeah. to fight than anybody in Major League Baseball. So, so what are you going to do? Not watch the Oscars because of the violence? <laughs> <laughs> I love the reaction to the slap from the uh, people were so outraged. I mean, I that's like the, the only one. reason I cared about the Oscars because yeah. I didn't watch it, but I went back and watched it when I found out about the slap. Oh, yeah, that was so entertaining. Like, seriously, that's the most entertaining thing about the Oscars in years now. I don't care about yeah, you gotta wait because you gotta you gotta think twice before you make a joke on the on the stage. Because yeah, now you it's gonna, gonna get slapped. The Oscars are really gonna suck for the next few years because nobody's gonna make any jokes at they're all because they're worried about jokes, getting slapped. They? <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be worried because they're gonna get slapped. Like, who's the next person to get slapped? No, no. Uh, the, uh, the Academy's gonna be like, no <laughs> jokes about anyone else. No jokes. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious how that's gonna go after Slap Fest. Uh, uh, last year, I never got to uh, RG3 because they had too much fun talking about baseball <laughs> fights. We'll do that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We've got training camp basically coming up a uh, month from tomorrow with the rookies and quarterbacks showing up. Coming by so quick. It's coming, man. Four weeks? Man. Kid me? I'm excited. I'm really, I'm really excited. I mean, it's going to be, you know, the 4th of July is going to be right around the corner. And then as soon as that happens, you got football. Yeah, I know, right? Auburn and Arkansas playing in the uh, College World Series right now. Don't know if you've watched any of the College World Series, but it's, None of it. it's awesome. I mean, if you like a movie, I know you like college sports a lot, like college football, like mm-hmm. I do and stuff yeah. like that. But you get that passion stuff from college baseball. You like the bat flips and stuff like that. I love you, them. Well, you watch them. Watch them College World Series. If I uh, if I uh, have nothing to do on the weekend, I might check it out. Yeah, I know you more of life than I do. Yeah, I do a lot. Of, I do way too much stuff. So RG three. <laughs> here's the thing about RG three. What's your best memory of RG three? Best memory. Your best RG three moment. Uh, I mean, his rookie year, he was pretty damn great. Uh, his Heisman year at Baylor sticks out. His Heisman year at Baylor was awesome. That was, that was he was he was really really great. He there. just never made it in the NFL. He had a ton of talent, just yeah, never made just it. Just the, the one NFL. year, and then after that, yeah, after he came back from that ACL injury, is is done. But I'll say this: he's becoming one of my favorite guys in in the sports media. I, he is. I don't I don't know if you've listened to RG three because he's not afraid to say what he wants, but he's he keeps it pretty positive. We put it that way. I haven't heard him very much, so I don't really have an opinion on his. He's media. good. I mean, he's really, really good. I'll have to check him out. More. Yeah, he's really good. So he tweets out this 
The Chiefs are, and then he, he goes caps, man. When you go caps, you're serious, man. Yeah, yeah, you're trying to get some attention. So the Chiefs are, no caps, then caps, deeper at wide receiver than ever, back to small caps, Tyree Kills don't grow on trees. So after he moved to Miami, the Chiefs replaced Tyreek with capital depth, back to non-capital, added Juju, MVS, Sky Moore, and have Josh Gordon. Then he throws in Corey Coleman, Justin Ross, fighting to be wide receiver five and six. I, they won't keep six receivers, in my opinion. It'll be five. And the battle's for five. The battle's for five because it's Juju, it is Sky Moore, it is MVS, and McCole Hardman. Not necessarily in order, but that's four of them that are going to make the team. And then the battle with Justin Watson. A lot of people haven't heard of him. He was on the Buccaneers before. He's turned some heads, especially Mahomes. But there's going to be a battle for that in Josh Gordon. Because supposedly Josh Gordon's, you know, and I, I know that this is a cliche, man. The best shape of his life, man. Every time. We got to back away from that. but he is, <laughs> and, and Justin Ross, too, is also in that competition. But he's always, but he's always out. He missed the last four practices or something. Justin Ross, yeah. to me, screams... Spend a year on IR. That's what I, I was saying Total that too. Screams that. I, yeah, he screams a uh, stash for a year, just like they did with Aaron Murray yeah, and yeah. Tyler Bray. Like I, I totally could see that. Yeah, I, I can too. But I can't disagree with RG three. Here's the here's the one thing about it. You take a guy like Tyree Kill away, it's a top three receiver in the game. So top heavy wise, the Chiefs were very top heavy at wide receiver. But I'll say this: whenever Tyree Kill didn't play, you worried. Okay, who's remember McCole Hardman had that chance to step up in Arizona in the preseason, and then afterwards the whole timing was down. And you're like, McCole Hardman's not a number one wide receiver. We need to stop this game right now. The Chiefs don't have one. They don't have a two. Sammy Watkins was the last legitimate two behind Tyree Kill. Like they have legitimate. Well, number one receiver is a coin toss at this point. Number one receiver falls is Travis Kelsey, but that's tied in. So. But he's still split out all the time. But that's your number one receiving option. People forget about that, too. Oh, who's going to catch the ball? How about Travis Kelsey that catches more than anybody except for last year when Hill got him? But he averages 99 catches a year. Juju, I think, is the second leading receiver on this team behind Kelsey. But the number one wide receiver is him. Then MVS. I've heard a ton about MVS and the whole connection with Patrick Mahomes. He was down at Camp Pat. People are really singing his praises. But Sky Moore, to me is the guy, Chris, at the end of the year, and I really hope because it, then it means a success, if he bumps himself up to like the second receiver, you know, by week eight or nine, and then you go in the next offseason saying that's our number one. Sky Moore's our number one. He's got great hands, probably the best hands on the team, to be quite honest with you. He had the largest hands coming out of the draft. He runs routes ridiculous. Mel Kuyper said the most undra- um, underrated guy in the draft. But I would say that RG3 is right. It is a deeper group. It's not top-heavy like it was. Like it was like a teeter-totter with the fat guy and the skinny guy on it, and obviously you know which direction that's going to go on a teeter-totter, right? Yeah. But it's more depth now. It's kind of more even. Like the teeter-totter's got you know two 200-pound guys on it. It's not lopsided. So I, I do agree that they are deeper because you look at last, really the last couple years because, you know, even in 2020, like, Sammy just wasn't reliable because he was always hurt. So I, yeah, I if you can't be on the field, yeah, you can't be on the field. You might as well just not be there. So I, I do agree with the idea that this team is deeper because I think Juju will have a good year. I think MVS will like, he look like he's trending towards having a good year. And then there's question marks about Sky Moore and about McCall Hardman. 
Um, I know people are going to get excited about Josh Gordon. I'm not going to get excited until I see it happen because, you know. I, I was excited about him last year, yeah, but, he too, but he kept dropping But he kept dropping. And in some games, he just didn't get very many targets but at all. But we know he how good open. he can be. Like we, like, yeah, we know how, how good he could be like ago. six years ago. It's been years ago. But you know, yeah. this Justin Ross, you know, spare me on this. Josh Gordon's been a lot more accomplished in this league. And Justin Ross, there's a reason why. Only what three teams cleared him medically? Four, four, four. With the Chiefs, yeah, I'm three other teams besides the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, I just, I feel like, but I'm not putting all my eggs in the basket of undrafted free agent. No, no, yeah, no. And I don't, I don't think the Chiefs are either. And like I said, I, I agree with you. They're probably going to stash him on on uh, IR for a year. I, I think that's probably your best bet, and it's good for him because it gives him a red shirt, get healthy, and learn the system better. Which they can afford to do at that position. Right, right, right. Uh, here's my thing, though. I st- even though I think they are deeper because I think they they have like they're they're they aren't missing as far as like who isn't gonna produce like you don't have to worry like I think we're all confident that every like their top four receivers we can trust to bring in some kind of production at least five hundred receiving yards something like that well, so like, he can spread look, the ball around well look at the motivation Juju's on a one year contract yeah he's looking for that payday. Right. You see what he sees with Christian Kirk, and he sees the eleven receivers making over twenty million dollars. That's what he's thinking about. Yeah. MBS is still going to be under contract. McColl contract year. He needs. There's a couple guys that need real motivation. And for me, the motivation for Sky Moore is prove the Chiefs right in drafting him. Yeah, prove I think Chiefs, he's motivated because yeah. in, in a year with great wide receivers, you're the guy the Chiefs chose. Yeah, and we all know the Chiefs need a wide receiver help because. That is the one area they really haven't done. With Mahomes, you already had Tyreek Hill here. You had Travis Kelsey. But, they, you know, they figured out the line and stuff like that. But as far as skill positions for Mahomes, I'm not talking about Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the backfield either. Weapons for Mahomes, throwing the football, because that's what he's known for. That's what he's known for in the league is throwing the football. Sky Moore is it. That yeah. is the only guy, really, that you say, okay, he's the guy. I don't know if well, you I'm can maybe make a case for McCole Harden, whatever, but I don't it's really know if Skywalker. I'm saying that this year because we know it's Andy's system is tough to learn for receivers. It just is. So I, I don't know if we're going to look at sky more that way. I will say this though. It really benefits the chiefs. If McColl emerges as that guy, because at best, he's probably going to get a Christian Kirk contract, which is going to be much cheaper than the Chiefs would have paid to a Tyreek. Which he's set with that. That's what I'm saying. Christian and Kirk just helps everybody That's out. what I'm saying. So he's set with that, but it also helps the Chiefs because the Chiefs won't be paying anybody $25, 30000000 million to be their number one receiver. So it really works for both sides. So like that's the reason why I think it's very best for the Chiefs if McColl emerges as that guy because he doesn't have a track record for being a number one. So it, it helps them. My thing, though, is I'm just – I'm not certain if this wide receiver situation is better than what they had last year. Because even though they're deeper, there's still a lot more uncertainty about this wide receiving core because they don't have a bona fide number one. But I'll say and this, that though, scares me as, is, a, as a fan. But it is better to go forward dealing with an injury. Like, that's one thing they haven't had to worry about. Right, like right. Like, look at the Chiefs tight ends. I mean, you take Travis Kelsey away from that. Like, if you take Tyree Kill from the receivers. There's more depth at wide receiver than tight end. Because yeah, obviously, like Blake Bell, you know, is who Blake Bell is. Great blocker, great, you know, for your tight end. Yeah, catch Jody that one pass and Noah Gray. But a huge difference if you don't have Travis Kelsey. Right. And that's what you say with wide receivers. But you do have, you know, bona fide guys. You have Aaron Rodgers that played with MVS. So MVS is used to playing with a good quarterback. 
Juju's used to playing with Big Ben. That stuff helps, man, depending on your quarterback is and yeah. having the expectations. I mean, they both played with good quarterbacks. Yeah, but, like, Juju hasn't been they great. They both played with Super Bowl champion quarterbacks. Right, but Juju hasn't been great in, like, three years, and MVS has never been great. I mean, McColl had a better season last year than MVS did. So it's like there's question marks about this team. Certainly these guys have played with really good. I mean, McColl's played his entire career with Patrick Mahomes, and he's yet to break out yet. So to me, that is still concerning. And until we see somebody separate themselves from the pack as a true number one, there is something that I uh, I am a little concerned about as far as their depth goes. It leads to me. I think it's a top three storyline in the NFL this year. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's probably the Chiefs. Well, I'm high on the Karlofta storyline being the edge rusher they chose because he's actually the most important draft pick and wasn't the first draft pick. Yeah, he, I agree. You know, with that. I agree. He, but he is the most important rookie because they didn't go after an edge rusher in free agency. They didn't get one in the draft except for him. Like the pressure on him. Okay, so you take him out of the side. The wide receiver core and everything we've heard about it, but how they're going to spread the ball around and move. We'll hear from that stuff next because the receivers did talk about that. Well, we'll continue this conversation next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Big and I, Jay Binkley, Chris Sinocero. Here from J.J. Piccolo, Royals general manager. Uh, kind of cleaning up a misquote that was out there from Dayton Moore yesterday. We'll do that about 7. Josh Vernier comes your way at 7.30 for Vern's on deck show. Jonathan Heasley on the mound for the Royals who've been playing well on the West Coast. And playing the A's, <laughs> feel-good deal. And they get to come home and play the A's, too. So. Life's good playing the A's, Chris. <laughs> Call them the booty call. They're the, they, they are the booty call of the American League. You want to feel good about yourself and get the 3 a.m. phone number? You want to get a, play get a quick slump buster there? Just, play Oakland. Just text the A's you up at 1.30 in the morning. That's them. <laughs> hey, Oakland, how you doing? What you doing tonight? Hey, how you doing, Oakland? You to I, could play be over, I could be over there in 45 minutes. Did you have to come play three? We got some steaks for you. We got some pregame meals. You want let to come me, lose let to me us? get a shower right quick, and I'll be over there. Yeah. So the uh, soon to be Las Vegas A's not doing so well. Talking about the receivers, Patrick Mahomes had even talked about this as, as, as well last week about how we're, we've been talking about this offense being worth more than just one player. As you know, in Coach Reed's offense, it takes the whole team. I mean, this offense was rolling before I got here. This offense was rolling when I was a young Cowboy fan watching the Eagles beat up on the Cowboys. So, I mean, it's a it's an offense that's more than one player, and that includes myself. And that's good because they're going to spread around. Chris, this is going to make playing the Chiefs not the same playing the Chiefs because playing the Chiefs before you went back and watched film and you had Tyree Kill to watch and all the stuff they used to do with him. And the one thing about the Chiefs is – everybody's moving around. Receivers just know Patrick Mahomes. That's the best thing about camp, Pat. Pat going down to Texas and working out with these guys because they have to learn. They have to learn that when he's going to be on the run. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, he talked about that as well. The fact, because keep in mind, he's been playing with Big Ben. Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big one. I mean, uh, we have a period where we practice it, you know, and that's how you know it's, uh, it's taken very seriously. Because it's different. When you're playing with Patrick Mahomes, he he he's the master. He's Houdini escaping the pocket. He's going to make a play happen. As Wink Martindale, the Ravens said, there's always two plays: play the Chiefs calls and what the calls, and then what they run. And it's different when you're playing Big Ben. He's probably going down. 
Like that was not the big Ben of old who used to shut off. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's going to lay, lay down for you. But Aaron Rodgers moved a little bit, so MVS is used to that, him getting out of the pocket and making some moves. But Mahomes is going to do that. And playing the Chiefs is going to be a different-looking team because you're not sure how they're going to use McCall. They're going to use him a lot like the gadget-type player they started to use towards the end of the year, even the down the field. Because MVS is probably going to be the down the field threat. We know McCall Hardman can be. Because as fast as MVS is with the 4-3-7, McCall Hardman was a cool, nice 4-3-3 at the combine when he ran. But McCall was asked, um, would you rather be used as a down the field guy or are you good with all the different roles in the offense? Um, it just depends. I mean, whatever, you know, going to help the offense best, honestly. I mean, I don't mind either, you know. I, I know I'm a threat anytime I touch the ball. So if they want to give it to me short range, they want to give it to me quick. Like, it really don't matter if, if it's down the field. As long as, you know, as long as I can touch the ball a little bit and, you know, make plays, I'm fine. Now, he did miss a couple passes the other day, Chris. And he was very down on himself afterwards. Yes. We yeah. put it this way. You've got to catch the football. That is one way to Andy Reid's doghouse, dog which does exist is dropping the football and turning it over. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about McCall. And that's, I, I'm, I, I've said this before. I've been critical of him throughout his career. But I very much believe that he has the potential to be a great receiver. But you've got to get your fundamentals down. You cannot drop the ball. And we saw it early in the year last year when we thought that might be a breakout year for McCall. And early in the season, he's dropping passes. And you know, he's fumbling the football. And it's like, at that point, you're like, we can't trust you, McColl. And then late in the season, he started to build up some of that trust back. And he looked like he could be a weapon. And I think that they'll probably try to use him the same way that they did at the end of last year, this year. The question becomes, can they trust him to do more than that? Can they trust him to be lined up on the outside and catch balls down the field, catch it deep, you know, past every defender out there? Can he catch it over the middle? Because, like, there's a lot of issues with trust with him. So this is going to be a year where he showcases whether or not he can just do the basic fundamentals. Because I think if he does that right, he could be a great receiver. But the problem is that, he seems to be very resistant to this idea that he's not good at the fundamentals, which is why he gets on Twitter and argues about his route running, even though or everybody he's not knows, mentioned as a chief's weapon or if he's not <laughs> mentioned as a chief's weapon. And it's like, we know you're not great at the fundamentals because if you were, you would be a much better receiver than what you are. Well, so force him to put you in the list, yeah, force him to put you in the list, make you yeah, make them put you on there. Be the guy that shocks everyone. Like I thought McColl, like seriously, I picked up McColl as like a, it's like an undrafted free agent on my uh, on my fantasy team last year because I thought McColl had a chance to be a good off the bench receiver in like a slot position. And after three weeks, I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm good with that. I let him go." <laughs> well, the Royals weren't getting coverage nationally in 14. Yeah, they didn't have any real stars on the team because their numbers were very pedestrian. Yeah. But you know what? They forced them to cover them because they go to the World exactly. Series. Exactly. That forces you to cover somebody. Exactly. McColl was also asked about the personality of the wide receiver room. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think we're still developing our personality. I think we're still developing it and, and trying to, you know, figure it out as, as we go. I think we're going to develop that when we get a training camp. So when we get a training camp, ask me that again. And here's the best thing about the personality quarter or the wide receiver room, Chris. Hopefully you won't have anybody texting their agent after a game when the team is winning that they're not getting the football. 
Any of 111 catches like that. I do not think, I do not believe that happened. But Rosenhaus said it did. I don't. Tyreek said it. Tyreek said it. I don't believe that happened. They both said it. I don't believe that. I believe it hundred percent. I don't believe it. Rosenhaus is a liar. We know that. Rosenhaus tried to say that, that the, that the chiefs were suppressing his stats, even though he was top 10 in targets and he was the most targeted. He he danced around that. That's what I'm saying. No, no, but But Rosenhaus Rosenhaus said that and he knew and Tyreek shot him down on that. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe he said he was underutilized. I a hundred percent believe it because players text their agent all the time. They text their agents. I don't believe he texted his agent that though. I think that's a damn me. Look at how they're using me. I don't think that's true i don't like that coming up next though the royals jj piccolo general manager had some interesting things to say including uh clearing up a misquote and also are the phone lines burning with trade offers this is bank at night on your home for royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the kansas city chiefs 610 sports radio football energy drinks beer more football Welcome to Bink at Night. Welcome to Bink at Night. Jay Binkley, Kristen Ocero. Royals and Angels come your way. Josh Vernier comes home with Vern's on deck show. Jonathan Heasley on the mound for the Royals, who've been playing some good, good baseball out on the West Coast, but against a few good teams, man. Some real, then they're going to bring some of that West Coast magic with the A's back with them. I know they're with the Angels now, but the A's are coming in. <laughs> Feel good story. Elvis Andrews is about the only player that people could mention because Chapman's gone, you know, and Olsen's gone. I didn't know Elvis Andrews was playing. Oh, yeah, he's still playing, man. (laughs) I didn't know he was doing the game. He's the one that uh, the ball dropped right in the infield next to him the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) And I know the Royals had one less win than the A's did going in there. And I know the Royals won two out of three, but they are better than the A's. Not no more. That is the team trying to lose. Yeah. At least the Royals are trying to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Royals want to win. They, they, they're not like they're not tanking. They would like to win. It's just not going very well. But the A's are the A's are what. And here's the thing I'll say about this: I don't have a problem with tanking in sports. I don't have a problem with it. I fully support teams' abilities to try to get the best players as possible. Because at the end of the day, I would much rather be a terrible team and go get good assets in the draft than be a mediocre team that doesn't win and you don't go anywhere. So I don't have any problem with it. I know people complain about it all the time. Like, I I, uh, I applaud the A's for openly doing what people complain about all the time. No, I hate tanking because they've given their fans nothing. They've given them no reason to want to but build you're a investing new in the future. You're yeah, investing in the future. It's when unfair you to gamblers. It's unfair to people that buy tickets and. No, it's not unfair. Just don't bet on them to win. Just don't go to the it's games. It's not unfair. It's not unfair right. on gamblers. Right, Just me, don't bet on them to win. Riddle me this. Answer this question because I, I, I get your opinion on this. Because yesterday I talked about it. next year, like it doesn't matter who's last place in baseball because there's a draft lottery. Yeah, yeah. We're six teams. So the USFL, Chris. That you know, I'm one of the seven people watching. <laughs> one of games. the seven people. If we had a USFL team here, you would be one of the seven people in the stands. There's literally enough people to fit in the booth of McDonald's at these games. Yeah, we have enough. We would have almost enough microphones in that studio for every fan that goes to one of those games. I mean, they're, they're playing in Birmingham. They're moving it to Canton now. I didn't know if you know that, but the playoffs. No, I didn't know that. There's two playoff games, a, a championship game. You're going to go play division. at the Hall of Fame Stadium? It'll be at the Hall of Fame Stadium. But here's the thing. So they, they make up rules, Chris, and change them right in the beginning. You know what they did? <laughs> so they got lucky because the last game of the year between Pittsburgh Maulers and uh, 
And uh, uh, God, it's Pittsburgh and uh, – Which Maulers is not a good team name. It's an awful team name. Oh, I remember a few weeks ago when they, uh, Pittsburgh played Philadelphia and Birmingham. There's nothing that screamed uh, more than that. But the, uh, the Michigan Panthers, who's, who's uh, in the, in the, in the uh, Pittsburgh Maulers, were playing a game. They were both one and eight. So they were assured that the, lo- that the winning team and the losing team was going to get the first pick in the USFL draft. Yeah. Which the XFL starts next year, too. So you're going to fight they, for talent. They should combine because it's, yeah, it, it's not good. It's I just agree. combine the USFL, AFL, and NFL, type have more thing. cities yeah. and, and move these games to, to play at least in their hometowns. They have more people show up. Right. I mean, play these games at high school stadium or something, just have fans. But anyway, so Michigan's playing Pittsburgh. They're both one and eight. And you know what the commissioner said? Change the rules right in the middle of it. In the middle of the game or before? No, 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 before the game. And said, the winner of this game will get the first pick in the draft. Like, instead of the loser, it was the anti-tanking philosophy. So what they said is, the winner gets the first pick in the draft. That way, no one's hurting that league that's already hurting anyway, trying to lose the game. I love that idea. I don't I like, love that idea. I don't like it. Like, wh- who's being hurt by the team, by one team trying to because lose? Because the product's not good anyway, and you get these teams trying to lose. It's it's terrible. How? Not that that's any worse than how's the regular it, football. How is it terrible? Because it gives you an incentive to win the game. But the thing is, is I like to me, I would much rather reward the team that's the worst because then it cr- it pushes up parity. I don't like first off, there's not gonna be a whole lot of situations in football, especially in like the NFL, where you're gonna have the two worst teams in the in that sport playing each other. Like that's just pure luck. Like you can't just like it's different in that league because it's round robin. So like they're gonna play the team, they're gonna play teams like All right, that. So but like that's not something you could do in the NFL. Well they they wouldn't do it, but baseball, if you took those six teams, you played around Robin to find out who's got the first pick instead of just doing a lottery. But here's the thing we all know the Pro Bowl sucks. But we watch it anyway. Yeah. Because we're football junkies. Now, would the Pro Bowl have been more interesting had you had the Jags and the Lions play for the first pick in the draft? Because they were number one and number two instead of the Pro Bowl. Would you? Yeah, because it would have been real football. It would have been real football. They could have just put that game on. It doesn't have to have any stakes to it. They'd be fighting over Aiden Hutchinson at that point, even though Trayvon Walker. It would have been been Trayvon Walker. That was the fastest time I ever (laughs) saw a card get turned in when they got Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, yeah, no, because they knew. They were like, really? No, they were they were just as much as shocked as everyone else was. But I, like, here's the thing: it would have been popular because it was NFL football. It would have been a much better game than the Pro Bowl. That's why oh, I would have loved it for it, the stakes being the first pick in the draft. But you don't need the stakes for that to be better than the Pro like Bowl. Like the USFL really doesn't matter who the first pick is, but the NFL it does. Yeah, but like the thing is, you're never going to be able to get tanking out of that sport. You're just never going to be able to. There's just no way, and it doesn't matter because, like I said, it doesn't hurt the gamblers because if you're, if seriously, if you are betting on the worst team in football to win a game, you got a problem. Like you need to call the gambling hotline if that is what you're. If you're gambling on on the worst team, especially because Vegas usually. Does a very good Unless job you're protecting doing the smart themselves. thing and betting on the lose. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like you're not betting on, so you're not being hurt if they lose. Like you're probably winning a lot of money if you're betting on the A's to lose every night. Yeah, or the Royals. Yeah, well, Royals. They're, they're, they're bad. Gonna, they're going to find a way. They're to, bad. I know, but they're going to find a way to screw that theory up in the second half of the season. Trust me. Are you sure? I think so. Are you sure? I hope you're right. I don't know if you're right though. But bet on the lose. I guess that that's what you want to do. <laughs> so I guess you can look at the tanking. 
As I just a, don't have a problem with as it. As a positive. So Dayton Moore yesterday, you heard about the comments when we're talking about Cal. We yes. play Dayton Moore's comments, but it's not in its entirety, meaning the question was left out because the question was more about the attitude, not Cal Eldred himself. But this was Dayton Moore. Cal's doing a great job, and I appreciate the question. And because, um, you know, questions like that, you know, should be asked. And um, I asked those questions. John Sherman asked those questions. J.J. Piccolo asks those questions as well. Cal's doing a, a tremendous job as far as his, his attitude is concerned. And um, I know there's an there's a attitude of collaboration that exists from all of um, our, our pitching people to make sure that we're providing our players with the right information. We're making the, the necessary adjustments for them to be successful. And, and we're seeing some growth. You know, we're, we're seeing some growth take place. And I know it doesn't happen as, as quickly as we'd all like. I have plenty of sleepless nights like everybody else, and, and we all care deeply, and, and that's what makes you know this community so special. We, we care deeply about our teams. We want our teams to do well. We want our pitching coaches and our managers and all of our players to do well, and it's frustrating you know, when they don't. But the important thing is with Cal, his, his attitude's great, and uh, he's working extremely hard, just like he did when he was with those players coming through the minor leagues. And, and helping them mature and, and become major leaguers, and then transition, um, you know, to uh, to the major leagues and uh, and trans and, and make adjustments at the major league level, Todd, which you know is, is not easy, uh, but I, I'm starting to, to see some some progress there. And I know JJ is doing an outstanding job. He really is. He's doing a, 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 a just a wonderful job of just making sure that. The, the communication is strong with the coaching staff, the players, and, and all the developmental processes are consistent. So I'm confident that, that we'll get through it, and um, you know we'll, we'll see where we are at the end of the year. So when you hear that without the question, it does make a difference. Here's J.J. Piccolo, the Royals general manager, on with Cody and Gold today when Cody asked him about those comments the day before from Dayton Moore. Uh, JJ, there's obviously quite a bit going on with the Royals. You guys are playing better baseball here on the road trip than at probably any point going on this season. But the questions have still remained about Cal Eldred and some of the other pitching staff remaining guy. And JJ had talked, or I'm sorry, Dayton had talked yesterday at his event at the Jewish Community Center a little bit about Cal Eldred and what promise he's seeing. I guess just more specifically, what are you guys seeing that you like out of Cal Eldred right now? Because he made it seem like he felt like there has been progress made. Well, I think the first thing that needs to be cleared up here is that that, te- that quote that went out was taken out of context completely. He was asked about Cal's attitude during this tough time. So that's the first thing that needs to be clear- cleared up. Uh, the second thing is, you know, we're making progress. I mean, this, this the past week or so has been outstanding. We're, our starting pitchers have given us competitive starts right from the get-go. Um, and that's why this trip has been somewhat successful you know right now we are four and three on this trip we got two more games uh with the angels but um the starting pitching sets the tone and i think it's cal's positivity that has helped us get through some of these times because these are young pitchers that are battling some confidence issues and when they can run off a couple good starts like a few have now confidence starts to grow and we got to recognize that there's somebody working with them every day that's been positive and a positive influence on them. So there's J.J. clearing that up that, hey, it was uh, misquoted, which it does drive me nuts when the whole context of something isn't thrown in uh, to what people are saying. Here's J.J. on the trade market the last couple of weeks and how it's heating up. The Royals should be major players at the trade deadline, which has been moved back to August 2nd, obviously, when the season 
uh, got delayed a bit. It may have started to heat up. I wouldn't say it's hot, but you know, teams certainly are starting to have a better understanding of where they are as a team, uh, where their division is going, and what holes they may have to fill. So there have been quite a few calls over the last two weeks uh, just trying to fill out you know, what we may be looking to do, you know, what's available from our end, uh, and then also gives us a chance to know which teams have players that we, we would be interested in, you know, examine their farm system, examine their upper levels, examine their, their major league players. It gives us a chance to prepare. So when the time comes, we know exactly who we want to ask for from a certain team. And the one name that's starting to get mentioned, even though Chris, I was like mentioning this name pretty much all year, Zach Greinke. Like you're not going to get a haul because of the contract, you know, it's a one year deal. But the bottom line is, that is a commodity teams will want growing in the postseason. They'll want that pitching. Here was uh, here was JJ on Zach Greinke's value at the trade deadline. It, it wouldn't shock me at all, just because you know, teams are always looking to add veteran pitchers. And you know, if Zach's throwing the ball the way he did the first month of the season, I don't see why teams wouldn't um, be asking about him because that's always a you know, a hot commodity come to trade deadline, veteran starting pitching. There you go, Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo. Coming up next, what he said about Lorenzo Cain as we look back to uh, Lorenzo Cain. He might be calling it quits. We discuss that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We'll go back, J.B. Eakley, Chris Inocero. You know, we had a police officer come up here Friday when we were throwing the ball against the wall with the radar gun. And I felt bad for him, man. He why? Put, well, because he was he wanted to, we were seeing who could throw it the hardest. He had no, a radar like, gun. Why, yeah, why did he come up, though? Because he had a radar gun. Oh. And he was nice. Oh, okay. Aha. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, but I felt bad because, like, Nick Schwart, like, put one right above his head, man. I mean, the vest doesn't cover that part. You know what I'm saying? That sounds like an occupational risk. That was close to assaulting an officer. Yeah, he could have got some time. I'm just it. saying there's a good chance that whoever throws there's, the there's first definitely pitch no, There's definitely no way I would have thrown that anywhere. I was nervous time. about what I was doing. <laughs> I'm sure I would have been too. <laughs> I think a bounce on the wall. You know, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this one safe even if it sacrifices some miles per hour off of my throw here. But I'll give him credit, man. Just standing there with that radar gun with, with us bozos throwing the ball. It was awesome. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Lorenzo Kane looks like that uh, that he, he's probably going to call. I don't know if you heard it, Chris, but it looks like I know he's getting DFA, but he's got $92 million in his career. But it looks like he could be riding off into the sunset. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, But it wasn't always easy for Lorenzo Kane. I had a collar shirt on, some jean shorts, and uh, <laughs> and I think some basketball shoes back then. That was my very first practice I showed up to. Like I said, I didn't have any cleats, glove, or anything. I borrowed everything uh from the very beginning and um I've, I've had great people in my life to kind of push me uh who's helped me out a lot throughout from my high school days all the way up to now so um i've definitely been very fortunate uh been blessed to play as long as i did and um like i say if, it, if it's the end you know can't really be be upset about anything so he shows up with a collared shirt for baseball practice right doesn't have a glove doesn't have anything when you think of baseball today if you were looking at the Royals roster, like how many guys you don't think played on some kind of traveling team at some point, mom and dad spending money for a hotel room in Iowa or Nebraska or somewhere like that. Well, that's just they grew up around here, but 
in California and they move all the to Texas, or Vegas, because that's a big travel city. For it's an baseball. expensive sport. Like that is an expensive sport, right? We're watching the NHL award ceremony on now. That's another one. You got to spend a lot of money on equipment. Um, that's why it was like football because it didn't cost anything, and all your practices and your games are relatively. You know, yeah, all close you could play it in the street or in the field at the school nearby. There was a lot of different places. But for what he did, that. not you know having you know the 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 opportunity that he could get all that stuff, be in the traveling teams and stuff like that, and teach himself. Well, he got taught by his coaches, but to have the discipline to get himself to the major leagues, make ninety two million dollars for a guy that showed up to his first practice wearing a collared shirt, late too, <laughs> by the shorts. way. Yeah, and, and borrowing a glove. Shoes. Yeah, and borrowing a glove. <laughs> oh, he had his style had to be so bad back in the day. <laughs> He's wearing stuff but that, like that. That is an amazing feat. What he was able to do, <laughs> like seriously, that was amazing. What he was able to do. Here was a JJ Piccolo, Royals general manager. Of course, was part of that team with Lorenzo Cain here on his thoughts on Lorenzo. Well, obviously the the fourteen and fifteen seasons, and just how hard he played and how well he played um you know the, it, it seemed like every big moment he was in the middle of it somehow i uh, also can remember a, you know, a time when we were getting challenged as a team we were get, he he in particular was getting hit by pitches all the time uh and that's when i think he just really matured as, as a player and so you know what i'm, I'm playing to win and i think it really had a, such a positive impact on other players uh, and, and it led in a way that I hadn't seen before, uh, but it's it's a great story from you know his background, playing in high school, getting drafted, uh, working through the minor leagues, accepting his assignment to the minor leagues when we traded him when he had been in the big leagues, and working hard to become the player he became. You know, so it's a really great story. I'm you know happy that he's part of Royals history the way he is, and you know if, if his career ends today he's got a lot to be proud of so it's a really great thing to see what lorenzo's done in his career i'd love to see a 30 for 30 on lorenzo k the journey i think it's really interesting because like baseball is one of those sports where you don't it's not like football where like guys will pick it up in high school and then go Which play in did. the nfl when you get to high school you should already know how to play baseball. that's what i'm saying baseball it's tough man you have to have played for years Football's different if you show up you never played football yeah. coaches can and like you're even seeing it, it sometimes in like in like basketball too where like some guys were just so physically talented that they can pick it up in high school like joel Embiid or deandre ayton and then next thing you know they're playing in the nba but it's crazy that somebody does that for has done that for baseball and made it really big because baseball's not it's a game sport of failure. like that. It's a tough it's, sport. You can't just go pick it up, yeah. like Lorenzo Cain did. That just doesn't happen. No, and it, and it's not like one of those sports where if you're just incredibly athletically gifted, you'll be a great player. Dude showed up with a collared shirt, no gloves, and <laughs> some ends up, basketball ends shoes up finishing and third in the MVP in 2015. <laughs> Led the Royals in batting average. The only player to hit over 300. Third in the MVP, like I said. Won a World Series ring, and he showed up a few years before to <laughs> practice with the colored shirt on. I would have loved to have watched that practice with him because, like, if I, I played baseball for one year, I was terrible. Like, do you think his teammates and coaches looked this guy? Get, oh yeah, I finished top if, three if, in the MVP. If anybody would have showed up in some jorts and some basketball shoes to my high school practice, I would have roasted your ass. And I wouldn't even good at baseball. I'd have roasted your ass. And then they saw him play and like, damn, I know, right? <laughs> It's, Where have that, you been? That's that Where, he's the rare success. Imagine story. being the coach and Lorenzo Kane just shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, and he's really good. Because I'm pretty sure the coaches would be like, well, who the hell is this kid? Here here was JJ Piccolo as far as the uh the news that he got, because he was in the major leagues, and then the Royals started him off 
in Omaha, just his attitude never changed. Well, I, I didn't have the conversation with him, but I can speak to his attitude when he was in Omaha, and it was infectious. It was great. That, that team won a championship with him on that club. Uh, there's a picture hanging in our facility in Arizona where he's right in the middle of it, that big smile we've all seen. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how he took the news, but I know how he handled the news, and that's exactly how you hope players do it. They go down, they take care of business to become a better player, and then have a really – impactful career didn't complain just did his job really the epitome of who the king city royals were in that time period always having fun always smiling him and salvi were the number one duo in kansas city with everything that went on and just how much fun they had yeah and he had a lot of pressure on him because remember he was one of the guys they got back in the Grinky trade him and alcides of course he is the way he starts off in omaha but exactly. he's been pros in the rails but he wins a championship there only smiles and yeah. never complains he was someone that people were heavily scrutinizing early in his career when he got called up because injuries people were and injuries else. and people were pissed because they were like these are the guys that we got back for Grinky. We should still have Grinky on this team. Which is funny because series. both of them became ALCS MVPs in back-to-back years. Exactly. Like, both of them were instrumental in the team going back, going to two straight World Series. So, they actually, it actually paid out really, really well with them doing the Grinky trade because both of those guys were major contributors to a championship for them. So, it actually worked out. But he was under a lot of pressure early on in his Royals career. And speaking of... Uh Black blast from the past from Royals news. Go check out Kyle Farnsworth. He of 11 major league teams, including Kansas City. Probably the biggest badass that's ever played in a Royals uniform, to be quite honest with you. I mean, can you name a bigger badass in baseball? Not because looking Farnsworth. like that. Dude looks... <laughs> I mean, would anybody in baseball want to fight that guy? No. Anybody in baseball history want to fight that guy? No, they definitely wouldn't fight him. Even the roided up guys back in the day, they would not want to fight that man. I want to see him in the ring, man. Yeah. I, I see Farnsworth still doing his I want to see him on the mound when someone is foolish enough to charge the mound. He's I want to see 46. that fight. And I want to see his teammates take their time with trying to get there to help him out. I'm stupid enough. I would stash him in the back of the bullpen and wait for the players to yeah, get plugged. Call Farnsworth. Then what you going to do about it? Speaking of badasses, Josh Vernier, Vern's on deck show. Thanks, Chris and Ocero. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.